Sometime back in January, while I was in Boston for my doctoral studies, I had an epiphany about my work as a minister as I walked to a grocery store half a mile away in the snow. I thought the walk would do me some good, and while I'm one of those people that's always cold in the winter, I also love walking in the cold. Sleet, ice, and snow against my face, and so cold it hurts to breathe. Reminds me of my childhood. Being in the midst of nature, even if it is a stroll through suburban Boston, can be the threshold of revelation. Have you ever had that? Suddenly it starts raining and you discover the answer to a question. Perhaps it's the sun peeking over the clouds or songbirds in the morning. For me, sometimes it's the cold. And in that bitter walk, the epiphany came. I realize just how much this place has changed over the past four years and how good that is. How it has changed in its welcoming, its energy, its possibility. How this place has seized some possibilities before it and accomplished things it did not anticipate. But I also realized at that time, it's been nearly four years. I just arrived yesterday in my mind, and it still feels that way. But in four years, it's been a mutual learning between us. I've done what every new minister does, rushes in and tries to change everything all at once, (laughs) only to nearly burn out several times. I also learned that there is and will continue to be great growing edges and opportunities for this place. I've also come to learn, and perhaps this is the hardest learning for all of us, that my call here as your minister is different than what any of us anticipated. I found that my call here is not to get us out in the streets protesting everything under the sun, though we will need to discern what we mean by justice when we use the word. I found that my call is not about magically fixing every problem in the church. There will always be three more problems waiting for us. And it's also not about making sure everyone likes me as the minister. As a good Midwesterner, this was the hardest one. I want to be liked. (laughs) Some people don't and never will, or they will be perpetually disappointed by me. And now I can say, that's okay. Bless their heart and mine too. (laughs) But no, my call here is primarily rooted in two things I've realized. It's rooted in being as honest with you as possible. Not that I've been dishonest but that I need to speak up more when things aren't healthy for our community, what challenges I see with our systems and ways of doing things, what expectations are realistic or wildly unrealistic. Because that ties in directly with the second part of my call here, trust. Trust in this congregation and in your minister. You have had dishonest ministers, untrustworthy ministers. You've had ministers yell at you during board meetings and committee meetings, ministers not prepare Sunday services, ministers betray their calling with unethical actions in a variety of ways. The same goes with some lay leaders as well. And I know I will never be able to fix what was done in the past, but I can be there. I can be as honest and possible and hold those good boundaries. I can laugh at the ridiculous parts of church with you, of which there are many, (laughs) and encourage the life-giving parts as well. 
Sometimes the ridiculous and the life-giving are remarkably the same. The reason I'm clarifying my own call to this place for you is because in that freezing cold walk in January, I realized that my call to be a minister is, yes, one for which I have given my life to, but it will be never one I will wallow in misery for. My second month serving as your minister in October 2015, I came home one day and convinced myself I had made a mistake. We had all had that experience, starting out somewhere new and wondering what on earth we were thinking. Have you ever had that job where you're like, ooh, I thought this was going to be roses? The anxiety in the system was so high, the uncertainty was so palpable, everyone kept asking me, are you leaving us? Are you leaving us? And I let myself get swept up in it. I do not share this with you because I need you to assure me. Please don't. But I share it because I realize just how far we've come together and how much farther we can go still. This is at once the same church as it was in 2015, and it is radically different. If there's one thing that is an absolute truth in church life, it is that we live in paradox. And if ever there was a church that lives in paradox, it is this church the only UU congregation in Lexington. We are a crossroads of our faith. We have a fascinating history, many quirks and oddities, and I am grateful to serve here. Ever since that January walk, I feel like something has shifted. I'm not quite sure if it shifted in myself, in this place, in all of you, or some other mystery. I tend to think it's all of the above. But we are having conversations in earnest that we have never had here. For example, your board of directors, I give thanks to them and for boards of the past for making room for such conversations. How do we sustain our buildings and grounds? How do we sustain the congregation? How do we live out our values in the best way possible? But we all need to be asking, what is it like to lead and live in a mid-sized UU congregation in 2019 in the midst of a rapidly changing religious landscape, political climate, and national ethos? How can we do better? How are we doing great? What are we individually and collectively being called to do? But I've also noticed since that January that many of you are having much more frank conversations with me. Not frank in the sense that they are rude, Sometimes that word gets mistaken for rudeness, but frank in the sense that they are open, honest, and vulnerable. Some of you that I have never had the opportunity to really get to know in four years have finally made that leap, and it has changed how we relate with one another. And this reflection could go on and on and on, but why share it in the first place? Today is our congregational meeting, your meeting, where you will begin selecting your next leaders for your board of directors and your nominating committee and get updates from the board on what's been going on. And usually this time of year, I have some sort of state of the congregation comments, but they're often brief and in passing. Time flies whether or not you are having fun, and I feel like some things need to be said before another four years flies by. So here is the state of the congregation as I see it. Now this is only my perspective, one person, which no matter who is offering it, minister or not, is bound to just be a picture 
a, a portion of the full picture. But as your minister, I'm in this building a lot more than many of you. Whether it's committee or team meetings, board meetings, other activities or events, holding office hours, chasing groundhogs out of the building, <laughs> or even saving baby snakes from spider webs, or sometimes just sitting in this room to reflect and meditate on this congregation. I do spend a good amount of time here. And so over these past four years, as we now enter into my fifth year with you all, here is what I've noticed. This is a Sunday congregation. Sure, there are plenty of things throughout the week sometimes, and a few of you practically live here. But this is the time when I can count on seeing many of you. And for a good portion of you, this is your connection to us. I get it. Schedules are busy and increasingly busier. Times are uncertain and tough if you're just trying to get by. But I don't say that we are a mostly Sunday only church, a mostly Sunday only church as a good or a bad thing. It just is. Whether it's good or bad is up to you, the gathered people. If it's good, good. If it's bad, what do you call to do about that? I'll support you either way, but let's just be honest about it. Related but different in many respects is the word we hear often in Unitarian Universalist congregations, justice. We regularly march at the MLK Junior March. We have a table at Pride. We show up to candlelight vigils and protests, and I've even seen a handful of you at the Poor People's Campaign when they have an active witness. But justice is one of those things that where some people keep saying, what are we going to do about social justice while the person sitting next to them says, why does the minister only preach about justice? My honest assessment of this here at this congregation is that you are all committed in several other organizations. I know because I see you there. And for the majority of you, this is a time away from the worries of the world. If that's not true, let me know how I can support you in sustaining a justice initiative together. The opportunity is waiting for any passionate group here that can bridge our many causes and commit to having an impact in Lexington. And as far as Sunday morning is concerned, this moment right here, right now, for me, is absolutely luminous. It is my favorite part of being your minister. With all of the mishaps, the weird twitching lights that come out of nowhere... <laughs> They were fine yesterday. <laughs> With all of that, it is my absolute favorite time. But we have an opportunity. This congregation has been at 80% or more capacity for several years now on Sunday morning. And that opportunity is one many of you remember going poorly the last time it happened. Before my time, I'll add. Yet we can creatively approach such opportunities. What would it look like to offer different types of services, not just on Sunday morning? Would an evening family service be the answer? Or a pared-down humanist-style service? Or a midweek reflection group? I wonder. I say this knowing that our religious education is still in need of a reboot, one that would have enough help so that all age groups aren't combined every single Sunday. Beyond the programmatic, which this is just but a snapshot of. Your board has done a lot of work exploring commitment in this congregation this year. 
They've looked at the laundry lists of things people say they want or say we need, and they've also wondered why they aren't happening. Do they even need to happen is the question they're asking. None of these things are inherently bad or good. Many of them just are. The question is whether or not we are content with how they are or if we are going to do something instead of just talk about it. But as minister here, these questions and reflections and how we are doing has got me thinking. In case you missed it, we're doing great. We just have some discernment to do about what we say we want, who we say we are, and where we are right now, and where we want to go. Discernment is a good thing, even if the result is not what you expected. There is more good here than in many of our congregations. The energy is high, wonderful things have happened, and people have found their church home and continue to do so, and that needs to be celebrated. But still, it got me thinking. When was the last time we took an assessment in ourselves of how we think of this place? Do we readily come to an understanding from this, from that this is our church when we think about it? Or do we find ourselves distant from it? I guess put in another practical way, if we see a piece of trash on the ground in the sanctuary, are we motivated to pick it up and throw it away because we care about this place? Or do we just assume someone else will do it because it's their problem? As in the skit we saw earlier, do we arrive with a list of demands and doom ourselves to dissatisfaction? Or do we arrive in the spirit of service? Do we gather here because it's only about ourselves? Or do we gather because it's about the community? As with all things, there is balance in some of these questions to be found. But when have we last reflected on such things? And if you're visiting today, you're not off the hook. That's the bad news. <laughs> Something pulled you here to check us out today. Was it because you wanted to know what that spaceship on the hill was? Or are you seeking a new home? These are important things for us to consider. They move us from talking about the church to talking about my church. And from there it becomes our church. Our church is the one where service is joy, not a prison sentence. I always want to laugh when volunteers say they've done their time. I might wear a robe on Sunday morning, but it is not a judge's robe. No one has sentenced you to anything. Our church is the place where we take care of it. We care about its appearance. We offer to help constructively to brighten the place up or make it more eco-friendly or simply clean it up. Our church is the one where we care about instilling our values in our children. I've mentioned this before, and I will mention it my whole career. But if our values aren't something our children see us working to support, why should they? Our church is the one here, up on the hill, on this beautiful piece of property where we make plenty of mistakes. We forgive often, and we laugh at the ridiculousness. We cry when it's needed, and we take serious the challenges of the world. And sometimes we take that leap, even if we are uncertain, because it's our church and we have each other's back. Our church is the one I want to serve as minister. It is the one I want to see others inspired to serve as well and to serve with joy and curiosity. There's the third part of my call I've come to discern here as your minister that I wholeheartedly believe in. 
I believe over these past four years and in the years yet to come, this congregation has started to love itself again. It has started to believe in its capacity for wholeness and holiness. It has found moments to sit in the tension between order and chaos, joy and sorrow, uplift and heartbreak, despair and possibility. I believe that with all of our work that we have done. I believe that we need to keep loving this place to make it possible for those who struggle with such an idea to find the opportunity they've been waiting for, to find the courage to weave our stories into the fabric of this place. The bottom line is it's got to be about joy and love, people, but not just in the sunshiny, wishy-washy way, but in the way that when you are joyous about something or love something or someone or some place, it can and will break your heart. That is what I've come to find here as your minister, come to believe and remind myself of often. And that is what I recommit myself to this day, now beginning my fifth year with you all. How about you? Where did you arrive this morning? The church or our church? Blessed be. Amen.